is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. Well, here we are, three years of the podcast, and what better way than to start year three than with Liz Calloway? And boy, is Liz generous. She shares so much of what has gotten her to where she is today, lessons learned, what she's learning during this time, changes she's made that have increased positivity and decreased negativity, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Liz Calloway, and keep on keeping on. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Liz Calloway. Liz, thank you for joining me today. Clayton, I'm so happy to be talking to you. This, this is a treat. This is it's gonna be it's gonna be so a treat for me. <laughs> I'm so excited to jump into all of this stuff. I we have so much to talk about. I'm just gonna take it back to the beginning of time for Liz. Uh, what were your theater dreams growing up? Oh boy. Well, growing up, I was a closet singer. So I, I didn't really have theater dreams when I was like a kid, although I loved I loved um, musicals and I loved to sing to, you know, Broadway cast albums when everyone left the house. But it wasn't until I was in high school that I actually started doing shows and singing and choruses. And so I, kind of a, a, a bit of a late start. But then um you know, once I knew that's what I wanted to do, then, you know, that was it. I right. knew. And um, I, I moved to New York. I went to, um, I went to college. I was a musical theater major at University of Cincinnati at CCM. And I was actually only there a quarter. And I left to, um, I got a job in California working in an equity musical theater repertory company, which long story never happened. So I was <laughs> It's actually 17 years old, had left college. I, I worked in an amusement park um, at Great America there and where I, which I had done, uh, grow, you know, in high school and right. outside Chicago. But I moved to New York when I was 18 with my sister who had just was leaving college after two years. And my dreams then were, um, I thought I had a sensible goal was to get in the chorus of an off-Broadway musical within three years. That was my kind of goal. Um, and then I surpassed, I didn't know there were, there were no courses in off-Broadway shows. <laughs> and, um, and I started working, you know, much, much faster than I had thought, but I, my dreams were never to be a star. I never had that. Uh, I, I, I've never had that kind of like, I'm going to be a Broadway star. I just wanted to do Broadway. And uh, my first Broadway show I ever saw when I was a kid, I was like nine or 10 was company. So that set the bar pretty high there. You yeah. know, that's when I started, you know, discovered Sondheim at that age. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it was really, you know, um, but I, I never really, you know, I, my path, I was very fortunate very early in my career, but I don't think I necessarily had the, the same dreams that a, a lot of people had in terms of, you know, growing up and always knowing what they wanted to do. Was there a specific moment in time when you decided, oh, this is definitely what I'm going to be doing? Well, I, I think I had a moment where I knew 
that this is what I wanted to do. Um, it was, it may, maybe it wasn't like one moment in time, sure. but it was, it was sort of, uh, a very short period of time. Um, my parents got divorced when I was a sophomore in high school and I was doing, um, I was actually in the chorus of, of a show, a kind of, you know, just, uh, thought, well, I'll do that. And I didn't have a lot of, I was a real late bloomer. I didn't have a lot of friends and Ana Alvarez, the most popular girl, you know, in, in the theater department came up to me and said, I heard about your parents splitting up. I'm so sorry. I'm, I, she's like, would you like to hang out with me and my friends this weekend? And I was like, sure. And all of them did shows. They were like super theater kids. And I just, I found this incredible, um, like family feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just that the, and I went, Oh, wow. If I do shows, I can have this all the time. I can have friends like this and we can, I can be in a cast and we can rehearse and then go out afterwards. And I, I, I got into theater more for the social aspects of it, but I always love to sing. And, um, but I was just so terrified of singing in front of people. So that was a big thing for me. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to have to get over my nerves. Uh, but that, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. And so that meant it wasn't just, I wanted to do it in high school. It's like, that's what I'm going to do with huh. my life. What? You know? Yeah, that's no, it's, that's fantastic. I I'm so curious after that, that quarter <laughs> at CCM, and the show, you know, the whole thing not working out, but working out in a different way. Were there any doubts? Were you having any doubts at that time? Or was it kind of just following the path? Just keep going. Um, I didn't really then. I, I It was very strange. I always, I've, I've all, I always had this kind of, I had a certain confidence. I remember just backtracking. I remember when I was like, eight years old and I'd be singing, I think probably to the hair cast album, <laughs> which okay, is yeah. the first album I owned. And uh, of course I didn't know, understand what I was singing, but <laughs> I remember telling myself that if everything else failed in my life, I could fall back on a singing career. Huh. I remember that at eight, which is just ridiculous, but I did know I had something yeah. back then. Um, and so when I, when I left college and, and there I was, I didn't quite know what I was wanted to do, but when I was in high school, once I fell, you know, got the bug and, and just fell in love with shows, I used to go, I don't know how my parents let me do this. I used to, uh, go to New York for the weekend by myself. And this is, I was like 15, 16 and I would go to the half price booth and see, you know, get tickets, eat pizza for dinner, stay at a, you know, really, you know, little hotel. Yeah. And, and so I was always very independent and very comfortable with the idea of being in New York. And that never scared me. And I, and still to this day, I, I, I love to travel and I, I enjoy traveling by myself. I think it just reminds me of those early you know, adventures I had when I was in high school, but I'd, I've certainly had many doubts in my career um, and lots of ups and downs, 
but I did feel uh, I didn't necessarily deserve it, but I did have some some inner confidence, um, which I was you know very grateful for because it's it's tough, even though so much I I had a lot of success early on, you know. For every show you got, there were many, many shows you didn't get. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, if if you're willing to to go down a side path for me, real quick. What sure. what do you love about traveling? Oh God, it's one of the things I miss the most with the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I get excited. I love the idea of being in new places. I get excited. My husband will drop me off at like Newark airport and I will like be going through security and I'll be like, Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I still get it. I just, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy, um, walking around and people watching and opening Yelp and where's the best avocado toast. Where's the best coffee. Where's the best, you know, I like on social media, where's the best bookstore, where should I go? And I just, um, I'm not a, I'm not a super touristy person. I just love the adventure of going to new places. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I didn't realize how many people were on this earth until I traveled. So it's just mind opening when you, you know, get outside your, your area, your sphere. Yes. Yes. It's such a, you know, and I, I've, I've traveled a lot and I've been very lucky to perform all over the world. And, um, and since I don't know when we're going to get to be able to really travel freely again, I'm very grateful for the experiences I've had that I've been able to, um, whether I'm a tourist or, or, or whether I'm, able to work somewhere. That's one of my favorite things is, you know, I had, you know, so, so many jobs canceled. Um, one of the things I've been doing the last every year is I've been teaching at a musical theater academy a couple hours north of Copenhagen. And so I, you know, gotten to know the students there and I was going to be there in the fall. And I was like, oh man, I miss you know, I'm, and I'd go to Copenhagen by myself for a few days beforehand, and then I'd go up and work with the students. And, you know, I miss I uh, I miss all that, um, which is why I think of all the TV shows that I've been watching, I've watched like all these things with um, subtitles, yeah. like, you know, Call My Agent, lots of French television and Swedish television. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> And cooking a lot. I'm trying to cook a lot. So there's novelty. You know what I mean? Yeah. So many. Yes. Yes. I've been doing a lot of cooking that I wouldn't normally do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm mean, also trying new adventures so that there's yeah. something. It's like, oh, what can I do that is I miss the I miss things being the adventures of not knowing what's going to happen. And um, I mean, there are many things I miss, but I right. do find that by trying a lot of experimenting in the kitchen, because I love to cook, but really experimenting with things, that has sort of taken the place of travel for for me, at least for the last nine months. Yeah, I guess because you don't know how it's going to turn out, especially if it's a new dish. Right, exactly, exactly. I, I do have to ask, do you have any favorites that you've done recently, uh, cooked late? Oh, boy. Uh I have actually a few well, now after nine months of just cooking whatever I wanted and and 
eating and drinking up a storm. <laughs> else, Isn't that the truth? I'm trying to be a little healthier now. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, kind of back down to earth. I did make a dish. Um, uh, it was a recipe of spaghetti squash with a turkey sausage escarole white bean uh, mixture on top, oh my. but you don't, you don't separate the strands of the spaghetti squash. So you fill, you kind of put the, uh, uh, the sausage and beans and greens on top of it. And it's fantastic, very healthy. And oh, it's fantastic. I think that was a recipe in the Washington post, I think, oh but yeah, that sounds so good. I, yeah, it's really- uh, I love, I love spaghetti squash. I, uh, this is great. I just love how we're going to, we're going to keep jumping around. So thank you for following with me. Um, bringing it back. I'm curious, what did your parents teach you about work ethic? Um, that's a great question. I, uh, both my parents I think they instilled a, 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 a very good work ethic in me, but I, I think what they did more than that was they just gave me self-belief. I think if I had wanted to, you know, work as a garbage collector, they would have encouraged me that I could be the best, you know, I'd be a fantastic garbage collector. Right. Um, in terms of a work ethic, my dad was a, uh, well-known television journalist in Chicago. He had a, a an interview show uh, for PBS and uh, called Chicago Tonight. He was an incredible interviewer, and um, he always did his homework. He was so prepared, and then you'd never know. And then when he would do an interview with someone, uh, you know, he's many famous people. I just watched an interview he did with Leontine Price back in the '80s. And what he did all his homework, but then he listened, which is the most important thing in an interviewer is to listen. And so uh, I definitely learned uh, about preparation from my dad. And my mom was a wonderful voice teacher. I never studied with her formally, but it's funny. I'm doing all these projects around my house during this time. I've uncovered boxes of... VHS tapes and cassette tapes, and I'm transferring them all to digital. And I found a, a cassette tape of my mom's of um, warm-up exercises, uh, vocalises. Yeah. And so I actually did it today. I actually, I transferred it and I played, it's in my iTunes library. And it was so amazing to, to be able to sing with vocal exercises with my mom. You know, my mom passed away um, three years ago. And, and that's something I have not been as, um, you know, it's, it's hard when you're, when you don't have a regular schedule and the pandemic, you know, I'm, I'm usually quite organized, but I was like, God, I haven't really sat and warmed up properly in a while. I do before I sing, but if I'm not singing every day, I don't do that. So that was, you know, so she was, you know, she definitely had a strong work ethic as well. Did you, so, okay. So just to piece this together for me, your mother, um, did she ever sing with you, teach you to sing, have any association with your singing or was that all for you just in the closet until later on? Uh, She, for the most part, no, I heard her give a million voice lessons 
uh, at home. So it's as if I learn, I never studied voice formally. I know it's very obnoxious. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) but, But I heard, so I heard her give lessons and then when uh, she actually moved to New York to be closer to my sister and me, um, you know, back in, oh God, what year was it? Like the, maybe the late 80s. And, um, and she kind of had a rule that she would never say something. She'd never say, hey, I hear something or would you think of doing this? She always waited for me to say something. That was just like a personal rule she had. She never wanted to kind of overstep any boundaries, even though I would have been welcome. I would have welcomed any tips she had. And then I would come to her every so often, like, you know, I had an audition, I had to sing something high, or I had a problem with something. I would ask, you know, I said, you know, how should I, how should I approach this? Um, I, I did get to sing with her and my sister um, uh, at two cabaret conventions. I actually found a video. Uh, this is one of the videos I transferred and I put it up on my YouTube channel and it's the three of us singing Sing for Your Supper. And it's amazing. It's just, I think it's, I'm not sure what year it was. It was, uh, God, a number of years ago, maybe 2005. But to hear us sing together, it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily the most fun thing to work together and rehearse together. <laughs> we're all, we all have our different ways of working, right. but then to actually sing together was amazing. I mean, of course, I sing with my sister, you know, all the time. So, but to also sing with our mom was, especially in retrospect now, to, to have, you know, a video like that is very special. I just, I can't imagine how special it is to be in those early years in New York for you, you know, forging your path, finding your way, but still having your family, you know, your sister and your mother kind of right there. You could always check in with them in person. Yeah. Especially, I mean, it was, um, um, our mom didn't move to New York till much later, but Anne and I, you know, we moved together. We lived in like a little residential hotel. We were so poor. We didn't have any help. We didn't know anything. And we really made it on our own. And, but our parent, you know, we'd call home and every so often I'd call my dad and he'd lend me a little money. Um, but Anne worked as a pian- in a piano bar. I worked as a singing waitress, um, take classes, go to every audition I could. Um, always felt incredible support from my parents. When I told my parents that I was going to leave college because um, I got this other opportunity, they were great. Um, of course, I'm sure part of that was <laughs> my dad. My dad was thrilled. It was like, oh, my son. When my son went to college, I went, oh, now I know why dad was so supportive. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so expensive. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, I look back on my early years in New York with such fondness. Oh, it was like it was like uh, something out of Wonderful Town. It really was. Yeah, it I. Was- what was that? What was, you know, calling and checking in with your parents? What was that like when you told them about, you know, booking your first Broadway show? Oh, yeah, that was. Well, the, also the fact that it was Merrily We Roll Along. Yeah. Because um, because I, I lived in New York for five years growing up, and that's when my parents saw company and brought home the cast album. And I was like, oh, my God, I just 
you know, I'm, I know every lyric, every song on that album from playing it a million times as, as a little kid and then, and then going to see it myself. But Company was, of course, Sondheim and directed by Hal Prince and a book by George Firth and at the Alvin Theater. And I got cast in Merrily, which was Sondheim, Hal Prince, George Firth, <laughs> Alvin Theater. Big deal. Just, <laughs> oh, my God. It was just amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. just like you you couldn't have I, I, I never could have asked for uh, a better you know, Broadway debut, even though it was, you know, it was obviously um, heartbreaking and not as successful as right. we all wanted it to be. But it was such a, a learning lesson. It was the, I think it was ideal to be in a show like that. I was working with the people, best people in the business on something that was, wasn't a success. And, and that kind of prepared me for, ah, this is what, this is what this business is. This is, you you know, there's no guarantees. I went back to being a singing waitress after that. Mm. I, you know, wait tables in between shows and, um, but, and, and yet the great gift of something like Merrily We Roll Along is that now it's more popular than ever. And yeah. uh, it's just been the show that keeps on giving. And we're all super close still. We, you know, We've all stayed, the whole cast has stayed in touch, which is remarkable. I do have to ask, during those rehearsal periods and even opening the show of Merrily We Roll Along, are there any standout moments or stories or lessons that you learned during that time that you could share? <laughs> do you want something profound or something funny? <laughs> you know what? Why don't we start? Yeah, let's, start with, let's start with funny and then we'll go to profound, if you're willing to give me two. <laughs> Give me time. That'll give me time to think of something profound. Oh, um, great, great, great. <laughs> one of the one of my, you know, we we had we previewed for two months, which was, you know, we kept being postponed and we put in new changes every day. And um I was involved with the uh I did some of the transitions. And, uh, and if you're, fam if you're familiar with the show, there's, you know, uh, through the years, there's like little 45 second songs that some of the ensemble would come on and do. And we made a change. I can't remember what year or years this transition was, but we, they gave us a new version to do that night in the show. And I think it was five of us. And we rehearsed it. We rehearsed it on our dinner break. There was new choreography. It was new. And, and we came out from, um, I remember we came out from stage left, running center stage, doing our choreography and singing this. And then you run off and you finish. So we ran out on stage. We started to sing the new, um, the new little song and they had not given it to the orchestra. Oh, no. So the orchestra, the orchestra was playing, the other, the, what we had done the night before, <laughs> no. like, so Paul Gemignani, the conductor, he's kind of look, he's looking at us and then he kind of like cuts the rest of the orchestra off. And then the pianist, I think, played the end of it. So we did our little 45 second thing, which was just like, you just can't even imagine that this is actually happening and you're doing this on Broadway. And then we run off stage. And I remember we we all fell on the floor and we were laughing and then we cried because it was so awful. <laughs> but that's, that's one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite moments of that. 
Um, in terms of something that was profound, uh, you know, I think we all we knew there were a lot of issues with the the show, but I've I've discovered this in every show I've ever done, and I've been in a lot of shows that have not been successful. There is a point in a rehearsal process or preview process where then you really believe in what you're doing and you think it's really good. You have to, right? you know, you have to, um, and it's wonderful. I mean, it's, you're, you're in the moment and you're, you're loving what, what you're doing. And, uh, and I remember we had a moment, it was maybe a, a night or two before we opened and we had, you know, put in again changes. I mean, maybe critics were there. And we finished the show and it, and Sondheim came out, he came out from the wings and we all just sort of, I think we all sort of cried because we thought we had done it. We thought we had fixed the show. And it was just this moment, this incredible moment all together. And then I remember opening night, going to Gallagher's with my family and, you know, someone going out and getting the New York Times after 10 o'clock, which you could do, right. and reading the review, and you were like, oh, oh, that's right. Oh, okay, I guess we didn't fix it. But boy, we sure thought we did, yeah. you know. And it was, it was just, you know, just seeing, you know, Steve come from the wings. And it was just, and he says in his, um, in his book, you know, one of his books of lyrics, the, uh, I, I immediately, of course, went to the Merrily section. I don't know if you've read his collection of lyrics. Uh, the, his two books are fabulous reading. And he said that it was one of the, some of the most fun he's ever had, um, you know, working on a show. Even if, even if ultimately it was heartbreaking for all of us, it was still, um, it was, I, I'm so, so happy to have had that experience. Yeah, what I yes, to end for it to be your first the first for you of, you know, yeah. Broadway and then to go and back. I was, I was, yeah, and I was hired as a swing originally. Right. And I was offered something else and two weeks uh into rehearsals they put me in the chorus and I understudied Annie Morrison. And Annie got sick during previews and um and she didn't miss a show. But what we would do is I'd sit in the front row of the Alvin Theater and she would do the new scenes and then I would sing her songs for her so she could preserve her voice. And that was just what I did as the understudy. And years later, it, it dawned on me that that's how Sondheim heard me sing. And that's how I got to do other, you know, Follies in Concert and other things. Right. Because when I auditioned, I, you know, I sang 32 bars. I never sang a, a full song for my auditions. And, uh, so I, I was just, it, it, it was all, I think it was all meant to be. It, it's crazy how life works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I really feel that way with company and with that. And just the, my, uh, there's, there's a lot in my life. I look back at even just like my parents getting divorced and someone being nice to me and going, okay, this is what I want to do. You know, maybe it was predetermined I don't know, but it was, there's certainly been some pretty special moments like that. Well, yeah. And after Merrily We Roll Along, you went back to what you were doing beforehand and how much time passed before baby? Um, well, 
that the the job offer that I got during Merrily yeah. was um, I auditioned for an off Broadway musical at the public called Gallery, which was Ed Kleban, who wrote the lyrics to a chorus line, and the director was Richard Maltby. And so I sang my song, uh, my audition song, and um, and Richard came up to me. Uh, and just said, oh, you're just perfect for this show I'm writing about a pregnant college student. So if I hadn't gone to this audition during Merrily, you know, yeah. I, he, you know, so I, and I ended up, um, I, I ended up, uh, I met David Shire at something else I did. I think it was 21. It was probably about a year later that I, I went to Richard's apartment and I worked with them on some of their music. Cause I had, I, I met Dave and I said, Hey, if you guys ever need someone to sing your music, um, I'd be happy to help you guys. It was so naive. And I was just trying to, <laughs> and so they're like, Oh, that'd be great. And so Richard called me and taught me some songs from baby. And I kind of worked with them on it. And the next thing, you know, that we did a workshop, a million backers auditions. And then, um, and then it opened I guess it was maybe another two, it was about maybe two years after Merrily the baby opened, I think some, something like that. Yeah. I, okay. Did you, you just offered to sing their music without having a thought of, Oh, maybe if I'm there more work will come. It was just kind of like a help out. My memory of it was trying to be helpful (laughs) and I I love, and I still love singing things you know, I love being the first person to sing something, you yeah. know, a new song. That's, that's really, I really, really love that. I always have. And um, we just did last week. I'm not sure when this is, you know, you're going to, uh, this is going to be public or air aired. But last week I hosted a baby reunion for stars in the house. Yes. Um, and and I had Richard and David on and we talked about this. And, you know, we talked about how I was like so naive and saying, oh, I'll help you guys. And, um, and yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, no, I was just trying to um, be, I was just being friendly and I loved it. And I knew their work from uh, starting here, starting now. And I loved, I loved their music. So it was very exciting to get to sing these songs. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.